Kia ora team and welcome to the latest All Things PE podcast. Sit back and enjoy these short and sharp discussions around physical education with people who hold the subject close to their hearts. Uh, Kia ora team and welcome to the next episode of the All Things PE podcast. Now today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Andy Cope, who some of you may know as the Doctor of Happiness. Now, that's the kind of doctor that everyone needs in their life, I think. Andy is a successful author with numerous children books and books aimed at happiness, such as Shine, Zest, Leadership, The Multiplier Effect, and he's just released a brand new book called The Happiness Revolution and has spent plenty of decent amount of time researching the importance of happiness and what we can do in our everyday lives to become well-being. Andy, I'll pass the mic on over to you just to give an introduction of yourself and tell us something interesting about yourself as well. Uh, well, mate, I mean, the, probably the most interesting thing is the Doctor of Happiness title itself, which I know that uh, as a Kiwi and you must be thinking, well, a happy, a happy Brit. I mean, it's a, it's, we're, it's a rare breed, mate. It's a rare breed. <laughs> I spent about 20 years researching a subject called positive psychology, which, as you know, is essentially the science of happiness and the science of well-being. So my job in the UK was to seek out happy people and find out why they're so happy. And then that, that kind of creates a PhD thesis. But after that, mate, now my job is to kind of translate all our highbrow academia down into real common sense. of so basically, mate, how can we feel great in a world that seems hell-bent on knocking the greatness out of us? Fantastic. Um, it's really cool. And I've got a couple of questions that are sort of related to that. So hopefully um, our listeners, <laughs> our listeners can, can pick up on, on some things. Now, to start off with, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to fire you a few quick fire questions. Now, um, these are just to keep you on your toes. Um, see if you can think about the answers and, and uh, we'll see what comes up. So they're pretty random, but bear with me. What's the first okay. concert that you attended? Oh, first gig ever. First one that I can remember. Mate, my ears are still ringing from Thin Lizzy, not about 1982. Before your time, mate, right? Thin Lizzy, heavy rock band. <laughs> Back in the day, at Derby Assembly Rooms, I was about 14. Honestly, honestly, that's 40 years ago. I've still got tinnitus from that night. Fantastic. <laughs> what a band. Fantastic. <laughs> now, I chose this next word, um, this next this next question, because I, I think I think you'll quite like it. It's, what's your favourite word? Oh, I'm a bit of a wordy, mate. I'm a bit of a wordy. I, um, I did, I went to Finland. I was kind of researching happy countries. Finland's the happiest country in the world. And they've got they've got a word there that's got no English translation. And the word is hippitinitinitis, right? And that, I love that word, mate, because it's got no vowels in it. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it literally translates as your favourite bounciest cushion. And I'm thinking, no, it's no wonder they're the happiest country in the world, mate, when they've got a word for that. Because in the UK, we don't have a word for that. We just sit there and go, huh. In Finland, they sit there and they go, oh, hippitinitinitis, my favourite cushion. So I just think that word makes me a little bit happier. That is fantastic. Um, love that. Uh, now, this next one is, where is the worst place that you think you could get stuck? Oh, mate. Uh, well, in the line of work I do, I see it every day. People getting stuck in their own heads, in their own bad habits of thinking. Seriously. Um, uh, honestly, and I'd like to maybe spend the rest of the podcast kind of addressing that, really, about how do we unstick ourselves, get ourselves out of the rut and the habitual thinking and the easy patterns of negativity that we accidentally fall into. Terrible to be stuck in your own head. 
um, well, which you are, of course. We talk. In fact, I don't know when people are going to listen to this podcast, mate. But certainly, currently in the UK, we're recording it in lockdown. We're kind of still locked down, really, in the pandemic. And we've been talking about, oh, we've been locked down for a year and a half. And I'm talking, no, actually, you're locked down with yourself, with your own thoughts, for your entire lifetime. All right. So therefore, I think the key to is is living with your best self, not your worst self. Fantastic. Now, a pretty cool one that I like is just a simple one. Well, it might not be simple, but one of your favorite memories. Um, oh, gosh, got so many. I mean, I've, um, probably most of them are the ones that spring to mind immediately. Quite often, but I think some of my favorite memories are the things that have gone wrong, that, that have turned out into, a, into an experience. So like holidays when the weather's been terrible but we just had such a great time in the rain i mean that sounds a bit weird but one of my favorite memories that i can think of right now is was portugal went with the extended family so some of the little kids i was i was an adult and it was raining so hard for the three days on the bounce the rain was bouncing off the pavement but i took all the kids out right by the pool and we 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 did we went rain bathing instead of sunbathing, mate, and it was just genius. The rain was coming down so hard it hurt, <laughs> and we were all lying out there on our sunbeds with the kids, having the just best time ever. Love it, <laughs> awesome. We actually got stuck in the rain here uh, uh, the other day. We we I went on a ride with my three year old son, and he was on the back, and 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 we were just about home. And again, it's one of those moments where you've just got to take it on the chin, and the laughter that was coming out of the back of the bike with my son on it as the rain was just pelting down. It was just amazing. So that's really cool. Cool. Now this last one, and it's kind of connected to what's happening in the world at the moment with the Olympics is if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what do you think it would be? Um, oh mate, I've been talking about the, uh, the everyday Olympics. I don't know if you've teed this up especially, but I've, I, um, my thing in schools actually is I challenge kids because the Olympics is fantastic every four years. It's the best of the best meeting, you know, it's, it's a fantastic spectacle. I've been addicted to it, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking with kids, especially what if there was the everyday Olympics, right? And what if there was 10 events that required no skill or talent and everybody took part in every event? It's a decathlon, right? And, and I can't remember the 10 events off the top of my head, but my 10 events are this positivity, gratitude, kindness, confidence, self-care. And I'm, my question is like, if and you don't need any skill or talent to to enter this these events, mm. would you be on the podium? Would you be going for gold in those very simple um, everyday Olympic events? So I, I I would bring it back down to my uh, everyday Olympics. Awesome, I love that concept. And and um, there's a lot of us around the world that are that are coming back into school um, over the next couple of weeks. So that might be something that we can maybe talk to our students about in regards to a bit of an icebreaker and things like that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it works well with kids. Um, it's because it's it's quite a thought provoking thing, particularly if you say no, it's not going to be in some glamorous country. It's not in Tokyo. It's a, it's in your hometown, in your school, or in your house today. Uh, and think of your ten really simple things, and are you going for gold? And if not, what are you going to do to go for gold? That gets some thinking. Okay, thanks for that. Very good job on the quick fire questions, Andy. Um, <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll go into the into the nitty gritty sort of stuff now, and and first of all, just what was it that made you want to become who you are today and, and achieve what you've achieved and what you've done? Where did it all begin? Um, yeah, it began with, uh, I, I kind of, I started out in academia, mate, you know, working in a business school, delivering lots of lectures with big words. In, and I, I kind of came to realize that 
maybe it's not really about the big words. I, I discovered the subject called positive psychology. So previously, I'd studied psychology, right? Phobias, disorders, anxiety, depression, paranoia. So everything was about what was wrong with you. Um, well, so what I decided to do was flip it on its head and maybe look at what's right with us. Who, who We can all think of just a handful of people in our life who've got something extra, like whether it's an extra energy or an extra spring in their step, an extra smile on their face. In the workplace, they're the ones who go the extra mile without it seeming like the extra mile. In teaching, these are the ones the kids had fallen to the ends of the earth because they've got something about them. Now, what I found was that psychology has been around for 150 years, but it's never really studied those people on the grounds of them not being ill and not needing any help and not needing medication because they're just kind of flourishing and they're kind of going through life um, feeling pretty resilient and pretty happy. So what I decided to do was kind of study those people instead of the ill ones, look at the well ones and go three things, really. First of all, who the heck are the happy people? Secondly, what are they doing that allows them to flourish? And thirdly, most importantly, that goes into my work and books and, and talks and stuff is what can we then learn from them that we can apply in our lives so we might have a better chance of uh, feeling amazing as well. And I just think that the subject's become more important in the last 18 months, not less important as I mean, I know you're in Singapore currently and you're a Kiwi and I'm a Brit and all that, but global, globally, happiness has gone AWOL, mate. You know, it's, there's a distinct shortage of happiness and a rise of mental ill health. So actually, well-being and happiness and positive psychology, I think, should be on the curriculum, which is maybe where we should be di- directing this discussion. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that because that, that's my next question in, it, in its regard, regards to throughout the year as, as, as PE teachers, and, and I say PE teachers because the podcast is all things PE, but it can be related to all teachers and all people, is we talk and we, we teach the students about their overall well-being and what that might look and what it might sound like. And there's a focus on the social and the emotional and the physical well-being and how they connect. But how would you describe where happiness fits in, into this? Yeah, I think, well, I, th- I would say, I would say, Matt, I'm not just saying this because this is aimed at PE uh, staff, but I think PE is the most important subject on the entire curriculum, right? And I, again, I don't know what it's like in Singapore or, or, or New Zealand, but in the UK, it's getting kind of squeezed out, kind of squeezed out of the syllabus because we're, we're so busy putting maths, English and science in there that the, all the good stuff is getting squeezed out. And I think, you know, there's one thing you want for your two kids and there's one thing I want for my two kids and anybody with children or grandchildren, there's what, if there's one thing that you could have that you wish for your kids, it was that they will be happy, right? And, and therefore, I think PE holds this fantastic, unique role because it's really difficult to feel amazing if physically you're eating the wrong things, you're not getting any exercise, you're not getting the right sleep. So I think a, a broader PE curriculum that is not just about sport, but it's about your physiology and what you eat and how you move and getting good sleep habits, then it becomes a whole well-being subject. And of course, PE, it's nice if you can learn a skill and how to play tennis or football or rugby, but if you can learn how to eat and move and sleep and social skills and team skills and leadership skills and how to win and lose with dignity and pride and, 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 and empathy and respect and resilience, mate, it's all in there. That's what PE should be, and that's what PE is if it's if it's in the right hands with the right kind of teacher, and it broadens out, becomes a well-being curriculum, and therefore it becomes a game changer. Yeah, it's 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 amazing to see. You know, we've talked about over the last you know eighteen months or so with this COVID, and and how we we see students, and and essentially a lot of the students that are in and around the school, it looks like they're doing a really good job and they're coping with it so well you know, better than better than some adults, but you tend to forget that they are kids and they probably don't know 
how to express themselves or, you know, they've been maybe cut off from their friends and it's really tough to see that. Agreed. It's, they've had a tough time. And again, mate, I've been on my high horse about this for a while now. I attended the World Education Summit, right? So I don't know how I get these gigs, but I, I was speaking at this thing with thousands of educators from across the world. And they were stuck in this loop, mate, of the lost, they're calling them the lost generation, right? The kids who maybe have missed six months of school and the, and the, all these educators from around the world, oh, they're the lost generation. How are we going to catch them up? They'll be, and I'm like, well, if we're telling them that they're the lost generation, they're going to believe they're the lost generation. They're going to act like they're the lost generation. And I'm saying, I'm, I'm calling them the found generation, right? You might have missed six months of school, but they've been doing something with that time. They've been out, certainly in the UK, I've seen so many families out walking together, riding bikes together. I've seen kids climbing trees. I've not seen a kid in a tree since 1976. All of a sudden, hmm. there's killed kids, you know, reconnecting with nature, getting fit, getting out on their bikes. And I think that what if they found... A connection what if they found family what if they found what's really important what if they found the outdoors then i think if we start talking about the found generation <laughs> then they might live up to that instead yeah they haven't stopped learning they just learned something different yeah exactly that's cool and i, I love that the, the whole connection between you know the outside and, and those kids and those connections that they're making that they probably wouldn't otherwise have made um you know through family and and just you know finding out their environments around them that you know, they may not have done otherwise. So again, we're in front of students um, every day. So what are some things that we can do within teaching and learning that can improve the student's happiness growth mindset? What would you say the main things or the main do's and don'ts are? Is there such thing as too much praise or, you know, the likes of that? What, uh, especially in these Yeah, times. Yeah, there is, mate. Yeah, you... you um, I... Yeah, I mean, there's 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 things in science isn't that they've been proven and disproven. There's you might have come across it before. It's called the Lasada line. It's one of these things that's been in and out of fashion for a long time. Um, but essentially, it's about a ratio of positive to negative to create a relationship. You should be at least three times more positive than you are negative. So, but that's kind of stuff. That's adult stuff. So, in the staff room, if I could hear three bits of praise, three bits of banter, three bits of encouragement, three bits of laughter, three catching a work colleague doing something well and telling them that every negative, then I'd be fairly sure your staff room's okay. But what we're trying to do, I think, on the all things PE is raise. We don't want to be okay. We want to be world class. So, if you listen to high performance teams in the workplace, so if you listen to the staff room conversations, and um, high performance teams are six to one. So the conversations would, if I could hear six bits of praise, six bits of kindness, six bits of encouragement, six catching a work colleague doing something well and telling them there and then for every negative. So you can be negative, you can be critical, you can have a grumble, right? But every time you do that, you should you should balance that with six positives. And if your meetings and your interactions with your staff are six to one, then there'll be a buzz and a uh, energy in the staff room. But in the classroom, um, it kind of is a bit more like eight to one. Just, uh, and in fact, at home as well, if you've got kids, an eight to one, I think is quite hard to get right. If you go over eight to one, it gets a little bit, it's too much. That is too positive. And your kids don't want, it's so difficult to get it right, mate, because kids don't want bull. They don't want f f encouragement and praise for nothing. They know when it's earned and they know in, in their heads whether they've earned it or not. But if I was in the classroom um, and I could hear eight bits of praise, eight catching kids just doing little things really well and just noticing and telling them, that they've done it well and how proud you are for every you can be so again you can be negative it's not eight to none mm. there is a time to be negative and critical you can do that but in the classroom scenario and in the home scenario is if you could if i could hear eight positives for every negative 
I'd be fairly sure that that's a good learning environment. Yeah, because I guess does it get to the point where if there's too much, then it's an expectation and they sort of, you can sort of lose that. Um, they sort of, if they're, if they're doing something right, then don't, and don't get the prize, the praise, then do they sort of back off and not give as much effort? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm not too, I mean, it's somewhere between eight and 13. So yeah, I think, but I think some teachers just take it, it's ridiculous and they go too far and everything's good and everything's worth praise, praiseworthy. And uh, kids know, kids just know, mate, they're not stupid, right? They know if they've genuinely earned praise or not. And it's actually really difficult to get it right because it's quite a nuanced thing. I I was thinking the home environment. So give you an example, if you're, if your child is doing their homework at the kitchen table without you nagging them 10 times, they're just spontaneously doing their homework. Then all I want you to do as a parent is just notice. So you don't make a big deal, but you just walk past and go, oh my gosh, you're doing your homework. I've not even asked you to. That has made my day. Thank you. And then and then back off. Leave it. At, don't, don't kill it. You know, yeah. that's that's one of your eight. And I think particularly in lockdown, when you kind of you can't go anywhere, you're thrown together and everybody's in this sort of family situation and you're locked down together, can get a bit niggly. It can be eight to one the other way, mate. Some families, are, some kids have been locked down with with eight negatives for every positive. And, and I can't do anything about that. And you can't. But what we can do is something about the people in our lives. Right, mm-hmm. we've got to take personal responsibility for maybe upping our personal level. Listen, the challenge I think for these podcast listeners: listen back to yourself, right, over this next week, and every time you have a grumble, every time you're complaining, every time you've been negative, just think, oh gosh, right, here we go. I've got to repair that with six or eight uh, positives. Then maybe the easiest thing is to cut out the grumbles and the negative, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's great. I mean, I've, I've uh, gone over and read uh, the books that I've mentioned of yours. And it's amazing how you've talked about the science sort of aspect of it and the big words. But I really love how you've, you know, made it easy to read and it's fun to read. And, and they do work in regards to, you know, if I do have a grumble, I do sort of think about, it. ah, you know, and I'll, I'll make I'll try and make up for that and, and, and have those sort of that flow on effect. So it's, it's really neat. Yeah, there's a, there's a, um, I, I did a tour, I went to India on a, a bit of a thing just before the pandemic, and I learned this phrase, Vipassana Vendetta. It's a beautiful thing, actually, because essentially it basically means, the, it's a, I think it's a Hindu or Buddhist type thing. Vipassana Vendetta means it's the magnification of tiny little irritations into full-blown anger, which is a beautiful kind of definition, right? Which essentially means your day isn't ruined by one big negative thing. Your day is ruined by about a thousand tiny little things that niggle you during the day. And and what I've learned with Vipassana Vendetta is just to notice, actually, yeah, yeah, the traffic lights are on red. It's not worth me getting upset about mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and somebody's somebody's a bad driver and cut me up at the roundabout. Why? Well, there's absolutely no point in me getting angry about that. So what it's done is calmed me down and cured me of the tiny little stupid little niggles that I would normally go off on one and go, oh my gosh, life is terrible. No, life isn't terrible. It's, it's just an everyday occur- occurrence. I need to get over it. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's just, it's such an important thing to remember is just, you know, having, just taking that time to realize and to think about that, that moment in time and is it worth, you know. Yeah, mate, some things are worth getting angry about. I'm, I'm all for that. If you've got a cause, you can get angry about that cause and go, and, but don't get angry about the wrong things. Yeah. Don't let your energy, every time you have a grumble and a whinge, a little bit of energy disappears, right? It dissipates. And it's no wonder we're exhausted by the end of the day. As a, as a, as a, as a teacher, 
you need energy. It's one of the things you need, right? And remember back to my research, right? The people that I've been researching, the ones I call the two percenters. So if you graph them on a graph of happiness, the two percenters are the ones at the top. There's like a small percentage of the population who are feeling statistically significantly happier. But crucially, what I've forgot to say is that they've got about 40% more energy than a normal person right and in the classroom you could do with a bit of that couldn't you to keep your bounce throughout the day and your enthusiasm going is if these two percent have got 40% more energy and if this was a learn something you could learn then I think I can't think of in the classroom situation the career you lot have chosen I don't think there's anything more important you would ever learn is how to be your best self on a on a consistent basis yeah because you're right I mean the, the kids pick up on and they know they're not like you say they're not silly and you, they, you can walk into a classroom and, and it's I mean like you say it's okay to have those bad days but that you know that really does rub off on them and they can tell and they can pick up on on anything that's off and um, so it's, it's I think it's really important to think about well I, I call it emotion I call it emotional soup mate um, emotional soup which I like the phrase because it basically means it in any social and it applies so much in the classroom and the staff room which is why I'm telling you now emotional soup is such a simple thing because it basically says that in any social situation where people are thrown together whether that's a classroom a staff room or a family or a team meeting whatever everybody in that situation is having a say in the flavor of the soup or the like the emotional tone of that situation so in a classroom everybody the kids and the member of staff they're all having the same whether that class is working or not emotionally and in your family this evening you're all having an input into your flavor of your family soup and the big question that comes out of that fellow is an obvious question and it's a question that i can't answer but i can only ask it and put it out there to your listeners is what flavors are you adding right i mean i, I and genuinely you've got to be honest with this am i adding positivity and growth mindset and confidence and passion for life and, and, and optimism and hope or I'm accidentally adding stressed out about a pandemic nowhere to park and it's too hot in here all right because you've got a question are you adding the right things because if you're not you need to change the ingredients yeah, <laughs> I love it what flavors you say good 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 now I think this one's quite an important one and, and again again we've we've touched base on it we, we've got some listeners out there that are just starting on their professional teaching journey. So what is sort of one thing that you could maybe pass on to these teachers um, that, you know, can can help them in regards to the um, the way that they come across with their teaching and their learning and, and, and how they can sort of even carry themselves to, today in this COVID world? Yeah, I mean, obviously self-care comes really important here is that I think teachers are giving people, they're giving, giving, giving all the time. Teaching is emotion, physically and emotionally exhausting job. There's no two ways about that. And um, teachers, sometimes you can care too, almost too much and you're giving everything in, and to the point whereby you're absolutely worn out and stressed out and, and uh, well, burnt out, actually. You can be burnt out after a few years of teaching. So therefore, I think looking after your own well-being and your own energy levels and all the stuff I've been talking eat, move, sleep and getting your own, being your own best mate inside your own head. These become really crucial. So looking after yourself, the biggest thing, you can't give your students the, the kind of confidence and, and positivity if you haven't first got those qualities. So actually the best thing you will ever do for your learners is to take really good care of yourself, which kind of with a lot of teachers, it feels counterintuitive. Isn't that selfish? I go, no, no, it's the least selfish thing you'll ever do is because what your students need is you on top form. Um, and, and, so, and, and the other thing I would say is um, we used to have the three R's of reading, writing, arithmetic, which were, which were hammered to teachers. And I think the new three R's, if I was a new teacher, the, the three R's, relationships, relationships, and relationships, 
is creating a human connection. Your teacher, your kids don't really care what you know until they know that you care. All right. So actually getting them on side is creating these mini relationships becomes the the thing we can all think of teachers back in the day who we didn't connect with and we hated the subject and what you find is as the kids get older is uh, when, when they make their option choices right they don't buy into a subject they buy into a teacher right and if you can win them over like by creating that mini relationship with them then they'll love your subject and they will work super hard for you awesome just one last thing is and we hear about it a lot these days is building habits and and the fact that we build habits can that sort of help with happiness as well and and is it as easy to do as it sounds um it habits are really interesting we could go on for ages on habits mate i Human beings are really good at starting to create new habits. So I could I could take you on a webinar or take a keynote or whatever and introduce 10 things that you can start to do today, the good habits that will help you for the rest of your life. But what most people don't understand is that actually to be your best self is about learning new habits, but it's equally about letting go of bad habits. <laughs> and that is really hard to do. It's very difficult once you've got something baked into your habitual system and you've got certain ways of thinking and behaving, it's quite difficult to stop doing those. Even if they're not serving you well, we continue to do habits. So I think that sure, learning new habits is good, you know, and read some of my books or get on YouTube and, and have a look. And there's loads of new stuff on there. But actually le- working out what your bad habits are and stopping doing them is harder to do, but it is possible to do. And I always say, again, it's a thing that I do with kids mostly, but I, particularly in a primary school, I'll, I'll, if I'm doing an assembly, I'll say to the kids, what does practice make? And they go, perfect. I go, no, 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 not, not in positive psychology. Practice makes permanent. All right. All right. And, I, and I think that that's therefore that's what a habit is, is something that you've practiced and practiced until it becomes second nature. And lots of the habits of well-being and mental health are basically learned behaviors. You keep at them until they become baked in. Awesome. Fantastic. I love that in regards to like focusing on those and thinking about those those bad habits and what, what can you do to, to sort of wean them out and, and make them into a positive. Yeah, but it's much harder to do. That's that's the point. It's harder to do that, but it, it does need doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so um, what what are sort of some of the best ways that our listeners can sort of follow and and connect with you? What's the best way that they can find out what you're doing? Um, yeah, well, we've got a brilliant brilliant schools program. So essentially, what we do is we run lots of businessy stuff, and we try and make some money out of doing keynotes and stuff for business, and then plow that into our schools projects. So my big passion, mate, is to get all this on the embedded in the culture of the schools, get it in classrooms and staff rooms and, and families. So we've got a brilliant schools, brilliant dot school. We'll get you sort of it's a, like a subscription thing where you could schools can subscribe and gives them access to lots and lots of uh, well-being resources. Um, our business thing is uh, autobrilliance.co.uk and I'm all over Twitter at being brilliant and there's loads of books on Amazon if you tap in Andy Cope you'll get your books off Amazon so if you're interested get your head in a book fantastic and what I'll do is I will um, put those links into the podcast um, bio so um, the listeners can do a simple click and find those Andy we're going to wrap it up there but I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to um, talk today and i absolutely love what you're doing I, I i'm a firm believer that it's so important and um i think the world would be a, a better place if, if everybody took a little bit of uh happiness and 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 you know was, was able to shed a little bit more light on the world around us so thank you so much for taking the time to um to talk to us
No, thanks for having me, mate. And uh, all the listeners out there, particularly the ones in the classroom, is just keep doing what you're doing with a smile on your face. Thanks for listening, team. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to be a guest, please feel free to message me on Twitter at all underscore things PE.